Uh, one thing that was sung, and I want to draw your attention to it, when his kingdom comes, what a difference. Difference comes with kingdom. And it's so important to understand what God's about and what God intends. Let's turn to the scriptures. Turn with me to Luke. And in chapter 14 of Luke, one of the things that happens in life is that when Christ comes instantly, if it's a real experience of God and just not merely an intellectual decision, which most people make initially and, and find it doesn't work. And um, you've got a lot of people who've made decisions for Christ and the problem is Christ never made a decision for them. Uh, therefore, they haven't had a real experience of God. They've made a decision. And a decision is not salvation. A lot of people have made uh, believe that they have forgiven their sins, but being forgiven your sins is not regeneration. It's just being forgiven your sins. The Jews knew that ev every year on the Day of Atonement. And um, it's important to understand that when Christ comes, a difference comes in the life. And I want to just look uh, what the difference should be. Um, I say should be because very often it isn't. And that's the problem. Uh, you get people who uh, have to concoct strange doctrines and teachings. Uh, that's why the Methodists went for holiness teaching because Wesley thought that you needed a second blessing but you don't need a second blessing if you've got the right first blessing. Uh, it's only if you didn't get the right thing at the beginning and you didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost and have real life that you need a second blessing. And much of Methodism slid into legalism uh, where it had originated with the Holy Club at Oxford because he'd never understood really and in his later life, he began to dawn on him his mistakes when he met William Law. And Law had, by that time, become regenerate and wrote a book on the new birth. Um, and they accused him of having gone into mysticism because originally he'd written a book on a, a, a call to a devout and holy life, which was pure legalism. And most Christians live in that today. They, they try and make themselves holy. They try and make themselves Christian. You can't. If God doesn't come and meet you and change you inside, all your striving, all your praying, all your efforts are not going to change you. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God. And the whole idea of somehow becoming holy is stupid. He is our holiness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. And it's his life. I live, nevertheless, not I,
but Christ liveth in me. And it's the life of Christ. You become a partaker of the divine nature. It's not that God changes your nature, it's that you become a partaker of his nature. And that is the only way holiness can ever exist in an individual. Is that plain? Hello? Uh, and people strive and they get into awful messes because someone's told them, well, if you fast enough, you pray enough, you seek God enough, then something... That is untrue. Because then that's salvation by works. And that's not what we're about. It's by faith. And if it's by works then basically you're saving yourself. And most Christians are saving themselves. It's by what they do. And that's why you've got people who are um, mesmerized by the idea if you fast enough, you pray enough, you seek God enough. Well, I tell you, you can do that. Lots of people did that and they died in their sins. I am a total believer in the sovereignty of God and in God choosing whom he will. Jesus said, no man can come to the Father but, uh, to me, but the Father draw him. And without God doing it, and you can't be born again of the will of man nor of the will of the flesh, it's God who does it. Birth, new birth, is God's work. And that is what transforms a life. When his kingdom comes, what a difference. And the difference is the total transformation inside. And I was thinking this morning, how often Jesus must have been disappointed when people just walked away. If you think about it, he did beautiful miracles and then multitudes just walked away. What do you think he thought? When they didn't value what they had, they left it. That's a terrible thing. They saw blind eyes open, they saw the dead raised, they saw miracle after miracle, and all they did was walk away. They saw the intervention of God and walked away. They turned their back on it. And that's what happens in most people's lives. They don't value what they have. You know, the pearl of greatest price, a man sells everything to buy the field where it is. But there aren't many who value what God does. And they just walk away. And you have in Luke an explanation of it. Now, I didn't write this. I just happened to believe it. I always believe if Jesus said it, that's it. And you'll find the story here. It came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. It's amazing how many people watch. You know, what the Pharisees wanted to do was justify themselves and their lifestyle. Let me tell you, if you've got to justify what you do, you're wrong. If you've got to justify your lifestyle 
or you've got to make an excuse for it or explanation of it, you're wrong already. They just watched him. The reason they watched him, they wanted to find fault so they could hide in their sin. And you'll find, and behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man <coughs> than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them with, that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men 
which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Pretty plain, isn't it? Hello? What does it mean? How does it apply? That's the secret. What does it mean? Well, the wedding feast is when the bride and the groom come together. Called to the supper. Many people get called if you get chosen. And you've got to begin to look at it. Here's Jesus, he's sitting amongst Pharisees, and he's sitting amongst lawyers, and he's talking to religious people, and he's saying, look, I've got a problem. You see, the problem is, when you play church and you play religion, uh, you can really live off each other. There's a hurting world. There's people who've never heard. There's people that don't know. And you can get awfully familiar and comfortable with just going round to who suits you. And you can take delight in that and ignore the reality of where you live. And God put us on the earth not to win each other, but to win the world. Those in the world who God has called, God put us here for them. And the trouble with the Jews were they were exclusive to such an extent that they were quite happy, the Pharisees, to only invite people along who were of their particular persuasion, their particular beliefs, and they were happy to invite them along and they'd sit and they'd feast with them and 
I guess they brought Jesus along for the novelty value and he went to eat supper there and he began to say to the fellow who was who had bidden him come to supper hey you know there's something wrong with the way you're living the problem is you're not effective at reaching other people the only person you're reaching is the people that are your friends and strangely enough people take advantage of friendship and look at it I'll explain it first of all he says uh, when you're bidden uh, verse 10 go and sit in the lowest room one of the problems we've had in churches all over the country is that everyone's got gift no everyone's born but not everyone is gifted to do everything you might have the life of Christ in you but God has put within you a reality where you can function in a certain position that God has called you to function in if you try and reach up and be what you're not all you're going to do is frustrate yourself and frustrate everyone else someone wants to tell you how great you're going to be I'll tell you it's not God because God knows your ego better than you do and God deliver you from a family that would tell you that one thing I have three children and I said to my children you'll go into the ministry over my dead body and what did I mean I meant one thing was certain there's no way I was going to help them into the ministry if God called them they'd do it against every opposition I could put up why because I can't stand a family business I think that the church of Jesus Christ has got to be ruled by him not by family number one but we can make a difference because we can live according to God's principles and God's standard and we can be a light in a dark place and one good thing about a light is the darker it gets the more bright the light shines a small light in a very dark place really sets things ablaze but you light a candle when it's daylight and it doesn't have much impact light it when it's pitch black and it begins to shine you imagine a, a church full of people totally committed to Christ they're going to affect society they're going to shape wherever they live why? because they cannot be hid so the darker it gets the better it gets society goes the wrong way you need to go the right way so he's explaining this to the Pharisees he's saying look you got it wrong you're living in your comfortable religion and you don't value the real things of God 
Jesus came to heal the sick, deliver the captive. The church of Jesus Christ is a healing place. It's a place of deliverance. It's a place of hope where there is no hope. The church of Jesus Christ is the place where we can go and we can meet the needs of people, their everyday needs, because we have the power of Christ. And we can give them an alternative lifestyle, an alternative way. That's why the song's so right. When he comes, what a difference. And the difference is inside of you. He goes on. And he said, in verse 16, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. And here's one of the things. You know, anyone can justify wrong living. It's amazing how, when responsibility comes, and you have to answer for your place and responsibility, how you can justify why you cannot fulfill your purpose in God. There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. It'll be amazing how many people have lived their lives always busy. But if you're busy, so that you can't fulfill God's purposes in your life, you're too busy. My Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. In other words, God comes first. You live for him. You don't live for yourself. It's not this selfish, God bless me and mine. The first said, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it, I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, I pray and I go to prove them, I pray, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now can you imagine Really, what was Jesus saying? Was there anything wrong with buying five yoke of oxen? Well, was there anything wrong with it? Was there anything wrong with buying a piece of land? Was there anything wrong with getting married to the right woman? I mean, there's a lot wrong with getting married to the wrong woman. Huh? Was there anything wrong with that? What was the problem? What was the problem? When they were bidden to the, to the feast and the supper, they couldn't come because the natural legal things of life got in the way of their responsibilities and their commitment to the Lord of glory. What Jesus was saying is, 
the things of this life take precedence over the commitment to me. So easy to get so embroiled with the things of this world that it chokes the life out of you. You start off all right, and then suddenly you get so involved with the things of the world that you don't have time for the things of God. Nothing wrong with getting married. Nothing wrong with prospering at business. Nothing wrong with getting on. Nothing wrong with buying a piece of land. Nothing wrong with acquiring property. The wrongness is that the difference never came in your life where you don't value those things, you value the thing that is only the thing of value. That is Jesus Christ. And it's amazing how you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You cannot. I'm surprised how little a man will sell his soul for. It has never ceased to amaze me how little a man will sell his own soul. They just find something and suddenly their whole life and heart follows after something so petty, so mundane. And the greatest a most beautiful thing and gift of all, Jesus Christ becomes valueless in comparison. I'd rather spend my time with my business than with him. I'd rather spend my time with my possessions than with him. I'd rather spend, and, and all of a sudden, what began as truth ends up as evil. happen just like that and you know what is interesting is that the Lord says not one of those will ever taste of my supper they were excluded forever there came a point that's it they made their choice and they showed what value they put on heavenly things and he was talking to the Pharisees and the religious people and he was saying look you don't really value the God you like your religion you like the status you like to be seen you like to do but the one thing you don't value is the reality of what Christ has done and when you prosper, and when God lifts you up, what you do is you despise the God who blessed you. Things are more important than your commitment to Him. You're asked to a marriage feast, and you're too busy. What is the marriage feast? It's where you eat the living bread and drink the living water. so easy to allow things to take your heart away from what's most important in life.
So what does he do? So that servant, verse 21, came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that, that my house may be filled. Isn't it amazing that here's a feast prepared. Everything's ready. It is supper time. It's, it's the time to eat. Everything's ready and he can't fill his house. Why? Because people don't think it's important. They've got other things to do. They've got other fish to fry. They've got other responsibilities. They've got other pulls on their life. They've got other things they feel are more important. They forget that Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything gets added to you. Oh no, they, they've got other things, the world's taken hold. And really, in the order of their life and priority, Jesus Christ comes way down the list. If it doesn't interfere with my life, then I'll give him something. And that's the way a lot of Christians live. And then they say, I can't understand why God doesn't bless me. I, I don't have the... Well, I tell you what, you're never going to get to taste of the supper. No, sir. And he goes out and he says to the blind and the halt and the maim, he said, come on, there's healing, there's deliverance. Uh, and that's why a lot of churches end up with people coming in and they come in with tremendous needs and it's not long before when those needs are met they don't feel an urgency any longer why the needs were met what they came for God met that need and now they don't value him anymore because they've got what they wanted and they don't need him anymore thank you very much why should they get involved? And it's, it's a matter of turning around and saying, well, I got what I wanted. But the Church of Jesus Christ is a family, and that family makes it plain. It's not getting what you want. It's total giving of everything. He goes on. Doesn't leave it there. For I say unto you, verse 24, what does he say? What? What does he say? Read it out. None of them. None of those that don't value what is there will ever taste of my supper. They were bidden to come. The supper was ready, it was supper time. They didn't want to, they had other things to do. And are quite lawful.
pretty sobering, isn't it? Hmm? They got a, an invitation, no thanks. Don't you know I've got other priorities in my life? Goes on verse 25, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I mean, that, that's pretty straight, isn't it? He's saying, watch out for family. Now, it doesn't mean that all of you have got to hate your wife. And What he's saying is, what are you putting first? You see, your business, you know, your money, that might be the thing you love, or the bit of land or the stupid house you get that might be what you love but what is more important and then he says family ties watch out family ties are like a rope round your neck why should you get a millstone hung round your neck because of your family and they take you away from the things of God He's saying, in your life, your first priority is Jesus Christ. You better take up your cross. Self-denial has to be part of your life. Well, what's important is your commitment to Christ. What's not important is your family tie. If you make friendship with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And I'll tell you this, you don't have to join someone's club to win them to Christ. You win people to Christ by the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's the gospel they need. I don't have to become a footballer to win a footballer to Christ. I don't have to become a doctor to win a doctor to Christ. I don't have to become a lawyer to win a lawyer to Christ. I don't have to become what they are. Think about it. If that were true, Jesus did some amazing things. For instance, why was it when he was brought up in a carpenter's home that most of his disciples were fishermen? Shouldn't have happened. He never collected any taxes, but Matthew was a tax gatherer. Gospel preachers, I'll tell you what, you win people to Christ by just being what you are. Don't ever run with them. Don't go their way. Because if you go their way, you'll go away from Christ. You won't pull them up, they'll pull you down. 
Or is that plain? Look what the word says. Don't listen to theories. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Do you know there's a lot of Christians who, who basically began so well. Trouble is, their commitment just wasn't right, and, and they, they ended up in the wrong camp. want to ask you this morning what are you going to sell your soul for and what do you value see you've been bought with a price you're not your own but you've got to make up your mind you know uh, what's it worth huh I mean, there's the God of heaven and earth who created you, who loves you, who gave his life for you. What's your soul worth? When it comes to a real test, what are you going to give up? I could use an example. Uh, when, when I finally uh, was forced into a position by the Lord to give up my, my work, my business, I remember going, uh, after I'd resigned, the chairman of the company called me in. His question was to me, and it was quite simple, he said, look, he said, to stay on, I'll give you what, whatever you want. Five-bedroom house with swimming pool, car, what kind of car do you want? What kind of boat house do you want? What this do you want? What that do you want? And I said, I'm not interested. He said, young man, he said, everyone has a price. And I said, the price for me you cannot pay. He said, well, what is it? Who's offered you what? I said, it's a price you could never pay. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ shed for me. And it went for 30 pieces of silver. You can't pay that price. He said, you can have your religion, just stay. We'll give you anything. I said, too late. He bought me. I'm gone. He said, look, your family will be better off. Your children will be better off. You'll be able to afford to do so much more. I said, I'm sorry. I have one Lord, and it's not you. Goodbye. Everyone has to come to that place. Sooner or later, God will bring you to challenge you and say, hey, 
what is the value of life? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that walk off and say, sorry, supper's ready, but I'm too busy. And when the time comes and the challenge comes, you have to make your choices. When God puts his hand on a life, you make your choice. Do you know in that day there's many, many who were bidden who will never taste because when the choices came, they made the wrong ones. Or they tried to sit in a high seat before the Lord of the Supper had asked them. we've got a Bible, isn't it? If you can't succeed in what's natural, you never will be, because it says first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. God has an order. Get to the top. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth, whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while he's the other, and so on. Look, you've got to always weigh things up in life. I weighed up what I wanted to do in life. I was amazed at God's sense of humor. I have never lost anything by following God. God is no man's debtor. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you, that does what? Sorry? Forsaketh not, what? All that he hath. If you don't do that, what can't you be? He cannot be my disciple. In other words, there is a question, either you're going to quit everything for this life, or you're out. You cannot be my disciple. You better weigh it up. You better weigh it up good. Either you're going all out for God, or you're out the picture. And that was what discipleship used to be in the church. The trouble is today that discipleship is come to church, sing a few songs, get happy, yuppie da voodoo, God will bless you, doesn't matter what. Well, there's a cross. Salt is good, but if it lost its savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Hmm? Is that plain? So when we sing, when his kingdom comes, what a difference. That's what it's talking about. Is that easy? Is that easy? 
You want to be something, have a ministry, get down. You think you've got some great thing and you've got some great right, get down. God will exalt you if so be in due time. But basically, that's not what it's about. So you've got great possessions. Oh, so family, family, family is getting you. Get out of it. Doesn't Jesus make it plain? It, it's right in your face. Make your choice. And when you're bidden to the supper, come. Most invaluable thing in life is to hear the word of God and do it. A lot of people, I, I had the sick form over at my house last night. They're taking their A-levels and I, I, they're all at my house, the youngsters. Uh, and one of the questions, you know, was about their future. Hey, because they've got a future. And I said to them, the most important thing is your place in the church of Jesus Christ. The most important thing is going on with God. When everything else is done, you want to be at that supper with him. You know the most important thing? When we began a church years ago, one of the things that I loved was we never had a Sunday crowd. In other words, I never had a church with, with people who'd come on a Sunday morning but didn't come any other time because a church is a family. When we had a Tuesday meeting, everyone was there. When we had a Friday meeting, everyone was there. When we had a Sunday morning meeting, everyone was there. When we had a music and miracles, everyone was there. Why? Because they understood a principle. If I'm part of a family, I'm part of that family. And the family of Jesus Christ brings me to total commitment to building his work on earth. That's the most important thing in life. If you value it, you give your all for that. What has priority in your life really dictates what you value. What takes the preeminence is what you put most value on. And what will a man sell his soul for? A mess of pottage? And what will a man sell his soul for? Why would a man sell his soul? But we need decisions. You know, the strange thing is, the Lord of the Supper said, never go out and compel the people I invited to come in. He said, no, they'll never taste it. He said, the ones that were invited don't even get a taste of this. He said, 
go out and compel those in the highways and byways. The people who've got nothing, because <laughs> the people who've got something just don't value it. And that was always the way with religion. When people prosper, they forget the God who prospered them. It was the ch same with the children of Israel. As soon as they prospered, they forgot. As soon as God lifted them, they forgot. And God had to send enemies in to destroy, to vex, to do all sorts. They soon forgot their God. And you'll find in Psalms, David's time after time, they forgot, they forgot, they forgot. I don't ever want to forget. Most important day of my life when Jesus met me. He bled and died for me. He became my Savior. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. My life was transformed. The kingdom came. What a difference. What a great transformation. You know, God wants to transform your life. Time to make choices in life. You know the marriage feast of the, of the Lamb is, is ready. God's ready to feed all those who really want Him. God's ready to put the priorities right. God's ready. But you've got to forsake all that you have. If you want to be his disciple, you've got to put him first in your life. That's a choice. He comes above everything. Simple choice. It won't ever compel you. Hey. The people that were bid and sent their excuses, I want to tell you something, they never knew that they would never taste. Because they never tasted, they never understood what they missed. That's the way it is. Where are you this morning? Holy Ghost is a true and faithful witness. Might not like it. Might get angry with it. But it's the way it is. You know, what would you sell your soul for? What's so valuable? in this world that you would leave everything of eternal value for that what's so drawing of the world that you compromise your life what is there in this life that you prefer above him 
And he says you've got to forsake everything. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ is forsaking all. You've got to take up your cross, you've got to follow him. It's not that he's, he got angry with those who rejected. When the supper was ready, they said, we don't want it. We've got other things to do. There's some of you who try to build a tower. You began to build and the price just became too big. And God began to speak to me. And I began to wonder what Jesus thought as he watched the multitudes filing away. I don't think the multitudes knew what they were leaving. They just walked off into oblivion. And then he said to his disciples, are you going to go too? What did his heart and mind think? The Lord of the Supper got angry. But there are the needy ones who will listen. There are those who are desperate who will have hope. And that's what it's really about. Are you so comfortable that you despise the Lord of glory? <laughs> Having begun and put your hand to the plow, looking back, it disqualifies you. Jesus' command was clear. You've got to forsake everything. Everything. But oh, you lose nothing. Because a marriage feast, the joys of the richness of his kingdom know no bounds. The beauty of him, the knowledge of him, <laughs> nothing can compare. I began to wonder, Jesus, what could you think as you watched them go? And that's really my question to you. I said to God, you know, the most thankless task on earth is to be a pastor. 
truly it is. Because in the end you feel his frustrations. Though he's not frustrated. You feel his pain. Though he doesn't hurt. You understand the rejection. Whatever continent you go to. There are very few who pay the price. forsaking all very few many many who say I want the benefits many many say oh I want to I don't want to go to hell but that's not salvation that's not regeneration Many who want to be healed, many who want to be delivered, many who want God's help. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, you've got to forsake everything for this. Your reputation, you've got to lay your life before him. That's really what it's about. Let's all stand. You know, my question to each one this morning is where are you? As I began to think about it, I saw Jesus. And I watched as he watched them walk away. And he just turned and watched. I never said a word. He went amongst them and told them. And he said, if you've got ears to hear, hear. And yet the amazing thing is, the multitudes just walked away. What do I put first in my life? The kingdom of God. What do I value most? I value him. What he did for me. I've been bought with a price I'm not my own. Close your eyes.
close your eyes, don't look round. Put your hand on your chest. I want each one of you to say these words. Lord Jesus, I've been bought with a price. It was your life. It was your shed blood. You gave everything. So that I might have life. There's nothing so precious, so wonderful as you. Take out of my heart anything I'd treasure above you. Take out of my life my stupidity in following other things. Tear down the idols and let me see it's you and you alone that is the pearl of great price. I want to live for you. I want to be yours. You know there can come a change in your life this day if you will acknowledge him. Now I want you all to keep your eyes closed. Don't look round. I'm not going to ask people to come to the front. I don't want that. But if you know Holy Spirit has spoken to you, please, I don't want you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front later. Everyone keep your eyes closed. But if you know it's between you and God and you know you need to put things right and you need to, you, you need to sort things out, and you need to forsake everything, I want you to, right where you are, just to put up your right hand. If you know that was what the Holy Ghost said to me, put it up. Don't look around at anyone else. It's none of their business. I want to pray for you that the God of heaven would make things right in your life. Keep your hand up. If you put your hand up, that you will put the priorities in your life right. Don't anyone else look round. Father, I just pray for each one of these dear ones. Lord, you know the depths of each heart. You know the longings. You know the drives. You know the pain. I just pray in your grace and your love, you'll reach inside and do a miracle for them. Lord, let them forsake all 
for you. In your mercy and your grace, change everything from this day. And Lord, let your spirit work in their hearts to bring it to pass, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.